Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today we have uh, sort of an extra special episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. So as most of you know, this month, the month of October, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I feel like everybody knows that. You see pink everywhere. Um, I just did an interview with the wonderful Ting Ting Kuo, a physical therapist at Memorial Sloan Kettering, about how PTs can help those in diagnosis through recovery and survivorship of breast cancer. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, please do so. Um, but October is also, for those of you who don't know, October is also uh, Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. And I feel like over the past couple of weeks, unfortunately, domestic abuse has really been thrust into the limelight with a lot of high-profile domestic abuse cases. Um, and so to talk a little bit more about domestic abuse and what is being done for people in need, I'm very happy to have on the show Dr. Tracy Kemble. She is an abuse expert and author and founder of the Women in Need or WIN Foundation. She is a leading expert of domestic abuse and is backed by over 20 years of recovery programs that have helped change thousands of lives around the world. She has a PhD in psychology and is a Laws of Attraction specialist. She is also the author of four books, a speaker, columnist, television, and radio personality. In 1996, she founded the Wynn Foundation, Women in Need, and we'll talk more about that during the show. Um, and that is a nonprofit that offers programs of recovery and empowerment around the world. Wynn and the assistance it has provided has been recognized by world leaders, including Hillary Clinton. And she is also an international expert on abuse recovery. She has developed a 20-week recovery program that is now taught in three countries around the world. And she also has developed programs for training the tra for training the trainers programs, which is for sort of frontline uh, medical professionals. Again, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. And she's also developed wellness programs within corporations to help address domestic abuse, which is something that I, I'm really interested in learning more about. So we're going to talk about that. And her organization has also launched a national campaign this month uh, to get men involved in the cure to abuse, which is called Love Does Not Hurt. And <clears throat> like I said, that was launched this month. And in 2014, Kemble was honored as one of the Women of the Year by the Professional Business Women's Association for her dedication to helping women recover from various forms of abuse. She has been featured on Universal's Home and Family, TLC, The Montel Williams Show, as well as NBC Radio. So, Dr. Tracy Kemble, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking the time out to come on and talk about this very important issue. Thank you for having me, and thank you for bringing, uh, giving some airtime to this very important issue. Yeah, and I have to say, I know that we're only on radio, but if you guys could see Dr. Tracy, there's, you would think there's no way she's been doing this for 20 years. I mean, seriously, <laughs> just unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. There's no way she's been doing this for 20 years. So we'll give you her website and everything. Trust me. Trust me on this. Okay, so... Now, with that being said, why 
why did you devote your life to helping women in abusive relationships? What's the, because this is a hard, <laughs> heavy topic, I think, to be living in day after day. So what sort of sparked your devotion to this topic and to these women? Um, I got involved because uh, I was married once before and I found myself living the pain and secrets of an abusive relationship, something that I had never experienced in my life. And I was in my early 20s and I saw myself go from a vivacious, um, energetic young woman to five short years later, finding myself feeling like a, a, an old woman that was you know, being dragged around the world by my feet. And what happened is when I left that relationship, I literally had to run for my life. And I realized in the healing journey that there's a huge gap in how we assist women, that it goes from the secrets that we keep to suddenly losing everything and running for our life like an animal. And we're not animals. We're, we're precious human beings, and we're women, no less. And so what I found was that there was a huge gap in the healing journey. And on my own quest to knit myself back together because I was a traumatized mess, um, especially because of all the psychological abuse that I went through, I, I, uh, I knit myself back together, went back to school, searched and searched and searched for answers. And so I, I started a nonprofit called the Wind Foundation. And my idea originally was to uh, fund women to be able to go to counseling. Um, one of the problems that I found in the counseling, though, is that I would have counselors um, say, okay, you're depressed, or you're anxious, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't stop and say, why are you depressed? Why are you anxious? So people were treating the symptoms, not what was actually happening in my life, which was I was, I had the abused woman syndrome. And... So I, um, I began the program literally by sharing how I put my life back together. That was 20 years ago. And today that program is a 20-course program. You can take it live in person. You can take it online. Um, we graduate and all that. And it's been translated into three languages all over the world. It's actually a curriculum now that specializes in, in the trauma wounds of abuse and understanding what happened to you when you're in it, especially if you don't have any broken bones or bruises that give you the evidence of it. And I call, that's a sidebar, abuse, uh, physical abuse, the sanity of abuse. Um, and uh, it gives you the roadmap on how to heal, how to get your life back um, when you literally have, you're, you're emotionally crushed from the inside out. You know, I think a lot of people, so like I said in, in the intro, domestic abuse has really been thrust into the spotlight with scandals of very, you know, high-profile NFL players, things like that. So one of the things that we see over and over again, and we saw it in this case, is the, the woman doesn't leave. So the, the and everyone... At, who looks on as an outsider says, well, if I were in that situation, I would just leave him. I would never stay in that situation. So, so why do women stay? Why do they stay in these abusive relationships? Well, there's a variety of reasons why they stay, but one of the reasons they continue to go back 
is is because you're actually dealing with an addiction. Um, it's a it's a psychological addiction that is almost in a sense a physical addiction because of the rushes of adrenaline that that take place between um, the two people, and it's a condition called love addiction. It's an addiction that's based in the fear of abandonment. And what happens is that um, because of the dynamics of a relationship, as the abused victim, your sense of self, the only reflection in life that you have is, is over time in the clutches of the abuser. And so that person has the ability, because we release so much of our personal power to them and our sense of self-definition, that they have the power to smile at us and send us over the moon, or glare at us and send us into darknesses that you can't describe. So you go back because that person is holding the only sense of you that you know, and it's it's a, it's a psychological addiction. Um, the, one of the reasons that recovery programs don't work is because they're not treating the addiction. They're, they're saying, you know, here are the tools. You need to leave. You need to not do that. Well, listen... As, as I wrote in an article last week, if, you, if the outsiders look at us and say, oh, my God, she's a freak, we're saying that about ourselves. We look at ourselves and go, why, why can't we leave? What's happening? Why does this person have so much control? But that's why. It's, it's like an addiction. And as bad as people know not, how not to drink or, not, or to not take drugs, they're our human drug. And so do you think that, you know, society and, and perhaps programs for abused women needs to be kind of, of restructured a little bit in order to treat this as, as more of an addiction versus, you know, saying, well, let me just get you out of the home. And then once you're out of that situation, then you'll be fine. You know, I think that from the societal standpoint, I think a lot of people think that, that if you just leave, aren't you fine? Yeah, they do think that, and and certainly there are certain situations where a woman can leave and never look back, but um, on average, a woman returns to an abusive relationship at least 11 times, especially if you add the fact that there's children involved, yeah, 11 times. So um, I think definitely yes, and that's not casting um, a criticism or saying that there are not programs out there who are doing it, because there certainly are programs that are out there who are doing it, but the, the fallacy that people have that you remove a woman from the abuse and everything's going to be okay, that is completely untrue for the most part. That, uh, and one of my philosophies at WIN, uh, which is the recovery program that I run, is you can remove the woman from abuse, but in order to heal, you have to remove the abuse from the woman, which means the thought processes, the belief systems that she has, the codependence, the love addiction, um, the the enmeshment and all the different layers and layers that took years to build. You have to teach them how to live in love in new ways. I mean, it I'm just, it seems like so much time needs to be spent with these women. So what is an average recovery time? I'm sure it varies. And, and, and are there some women who never recover? Well, you're, if you don't get help, you're not going to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing that you you have to you have to accept the fact that you need new information going in in order for new responses to come out. So um, I I always tell women, you know, one of the questions that I get asked a lot, and people can log on to my website and download uh, a free article. Um, 
how do I know if he has changed? And I say he just in, in, in for the sake of, of conversation because abuse does go both ways. One in four women experience abuse and one in 11 men experience abuse. So it is a, you know, it runs on both sides of the street. But, you know, how do I know that he's changed? And there are actually a step-by-step checklist that, that people can get off the website. But the most important thing to know is that uh, abusive personalities typically have the, the three-month or the three-counseling session gig that they like to pull that they'll say, okay, I've been to three counseling sessions and I'm better and you're better and see I'm behaving. And so women will go back before the fruits of labor are, the fruits of change are, are blossoming. And what is the season that it takes for uh, fruits of change to present themselves? I say it's at least one year Mm -hmm. through tax season, through the holidays, through um, the day-to-day pressures of in and out life, the things that the little things that can cause the arguments that lead to the explosions, you need to watch a person for at least a year and and make sure that they have a sense of accountability, um, that they are are trying to um, reframe who they are as an individual. The leopard can change its spots; it needs to jump in the bleach to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. And I, I would imagine that takes a lot of support, not just from the significant other, but from family, other family members. I mean, this is such a, it's such an all-encompassing, uh, domestic abuse is an all-encompassing issue that goes, I think, well beyond just the two people that may be directly involved. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, it's infectious and it's cancerous and it spreads. Um, you know, when you talk about abuse, you're not dealing with a demon or a disease. You're dealing with a learned behavior. And in, in, when it comes to abuse, we either learn to give it or we learn to take it. And we can pass it on to our children, simply exposing them to the environment. Um, we can leave an abusive situation if we don't heal from those trauma wounds. There's a really good chance that we could become the abuser uh, on the next round because we have all that rage inside of us. When you come out of an abusive relationship, you might be broken coming out, but by the time you, you start to knit yourself back together, the natural grieving process, you become the the angry, rageful one, and you need to have healthy ways to be able to um, express that anger and put that anger. And so let's talk about that a little bit. How can women recover from abuse? Well, it's there's just it's not like a pill that you can take and make it go away. It's not like depression I can take it and it will go away. You have to literally start to re-knit the person from the inside out. You have to deal with the, the initial abandon. Well, first off, you have to deal with any type of a crisis issue. So it's immediately learning about uh, boundaries. It's immediately learning about uh, love addiction and different things of that nature. And then you need to start um, asking the questions, well, how did I get here? So you need to start dealing with codependence and you need to start dealing, um, like I said, with abandonment, rejection issues. So it's a whole series. And then normally when you find uh, an abuse woman, uh, a woman in abuse, she usually has um, a lot of negative thinking going on in her own self and so prior to the abuse, she probably was saying, you know, oh, nobody loves me, or she had issues going on before there. You have to, if you're really going to help a person heal and to raise their base as to what they expect for their life, you have to knit them back together from the inside out. 
And, you know, when you're working with these women, you know, I know that you have um, that the, the uh, 20-week recovery program. Are there women who you sort of think to yourself, but I think they need to go through this again. Well, yeah, the great thing about it is that I have women who attend the program for years because there's so much information in them and where you are when, when you first are learning uh, about, let's say, your anger issues, you might retain one quarter of the class and as you heal, that whole next round comes and I'll have women say, that wasn't in the class the last time. Yes, it was. It's a curriculum and the, things, the same things are taught every week. But, you know, healing is is an ongoing journey. It's a matter of just um, taking off that layer and taking off that layer and taking off that layer. And with each layer, you discover more about yourself. And then as you change and grow, um, you you have different issues to, to work through. And, you know, a lot of times with domestic abuse, there's a bit of a cover-up. You know, the whoever is getting abused doesn't want to talk about it. You know, doesn't, they're, maybe they're not showing outward signs of abuse or they're coming up with stories to cover up their abuse. You know, if it's a broken bone, oh, I fell and that's how I, I got this broken bone. Or, or if it's a bruise, I must have bumped up against something and that's what gave me this bruise. So, you know, coming from the medical field, a lot of people that listen to the podcast, physical therapists, physicians, things like that. Um, is there a way, and I know that you said you have this sort of training for the trainers program. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that might help with people who are sort of these frontline uh, practitioners to perhaps pick up on, on, on some of these situations? And then we'll talk about what to do. Well, the first thing that um, you have to understand, I, I call abuse the worst kept secret because those of us who live in it, we are trained to keep them. And we're trained to keep them for two reasons. Um, number one, it's, it's nearly forbidden in, in every situation to discuss what's happening, quote unquote, behind closed doors. If your abuser finds out that you're discrediting him in public, um, that could cause a punishment. So the, the first thing is you're scared to talk about it because you, if it gets back to him, something bad might happen. Um, the, the second thing is it's terribly embarrassing, especially if you're a strong woman and you seem to be able to run everything in your life except you, this relationship that is completely out of control. In my program, I have attorneys walk through the door. I have doctors walk through the door. I have nurses walk through the door. I have teachers. I have these very accomplished women who are running corporations, and yet there's this one thing in life that they can't get their, their grip around. And I think that that's really interesting because I think when people in society think about women who are getting abused, they don't think of sort of a highly educated, highly accomplished woman. Well, I think what's important to, to understand is that there's various types of abuse, that the, the final straw in abuse is physical abuse. 
That that comes after the the emotional abuse. hundred percent of all physical abuse begins with emotional abuse, but ninety eight percent of the scars left in physically abusive relationships are emotional scars. So before a person gets physically hit or assaulted, they have probably gone through years of verbal assaults. Um, there's you know the character assassination. There's so there's the emotional abuse and the psychological abuse. There's the financial abuse. There's the spiritual abuse. There's the sexual abuse. So there's there's and there's the physical abuse. And so there's a variety of different types of abuses that you're dealing with. And many women who slip through the cracks are those who are quote unquote just in emotionally abusive relationships. But emotionally abuse emotional abuse is annihilating to a person's self esteem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when these women kind of come through your, your door, obviously of, of a lot of, like you said, different uh, educational backgrounds, different holding different jobs, or, or maybe they're stay-at-home moms, or, you know, how do you, within that program, navigate all these different women and all these different challenges? I mean, it just, it seems like it's so daunting. You know, and I think that when you look at something like domestic abuse, I feel like society as a whole looks at it and it's, it's like, whew, how do you begin to wrap yourself around this? Well, I, if there's uh, any good news when it comes to the issue of domestic abuse is that it's, um, it presents its symptoms and you being um, in the medical industry, you when somebody comes to you and says, okay, I have a sprain, you're able to say, well, what are your symptoms? And they say, one, two, three, four, five. It's the same thing with abuse. Um, it runs its cycle. The cycle is the same here, China, Italy, South America, um, male, female. It's the same. So it is very trackable. It's, uh, it's very easy to identify. And there's a very clear system because of the fact that the, the progression of the condition is it's very reliable. And so you can treat um, a, a trauma victim of abuse uh, the same way here in California as you can somebody in New York, as you can somebody in Greece. It, it's all the same. So sort of breaking down to component parts to make it a little bit more doable. The hardest part is getting the woman to admit that she's abused. That's where it is. It's, it's asking the cancer patient to come in for treatment. That there's this denial, there's there's fear, there's embarrassment, um, there's helplessness. I mean, there are many elements, but you know that's why there's people like me and other people in the industry who were, we're we, that's what we do. We we hopefully get people educated um, as to the the pandemic levels that this is. Um, affecting our culture. Absolutely. And now let's kind of going back, I sort of took a little detour there, but let's go back to your training the trainers program. Um, Because it sounds like it's a a great thing. So can you talk a little bit more about that? I run a training the trainers program and um, I started this program probably seven years ago where uh, that I, I realized that there was a lot of counselors um, therapists who are not um, really recognizing what abuse is. So they're treating the depression, they're treating the anxiety, they might be talking about boundaries. But to really be able to heal this thing and to really help a woman, 
it it is jarring and shocking and also um, a bit of a big safety net when a professional looks at you and says, you do realize that you're an abused woman. And most of the times they'll be like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. So to call it exactly what it is is really important. So I have um, one of my programs is called Understanding Abuse and Working with the Abuse Victim. And then we have a frontline program dealing with the law enforcement industry, dealing with the ERs, um, dealing with physical therapists about, oh, what do you do when you find that this is happening and this person is right in front of you? What do you do? Do you do what um, that Roger Goodall did? Well, you know what? Uh, Let's just kind of look the other way. And everybody was so appalled at at his initial reaction. And my response was, He's doing no different than the majority of America does. We want to pretend that this ugly thing isn't happening. And so we turn the other cheek. But when those of us who are in industries where we are working with people every day, if one in four women is is affected by abuse, I can guarantee you that coming in your chair, laying on your table, sitting on your table, there is somebody that you're going to intercept. And what... What do you do? So if I'm a physical therapist, you know, a lot of times patients are coming to see us. We're spending a lot of time with them, certainly more than their doctors are. And what do you do? Number one, if you suspect something, if you suspect some kind of abuse. And number two, a lot of times your patients divulge a lot of information to you. So what if they tell you? This if is they what's going you, on. What, what do you do then? Um, well, that's actually consider yourself in, in a much better position because they did tell you. Um, I, I like to equip people who are on the front lines by saying you're dealing with a skittish deer. So you need to be very wise and gentle on how you approach her. Um, if she, my second question would be, are you a mandated reporter? If you're a mandated reporter, you need to report it, follow the law. Um, it's, it's always a difficult situation where you're like, oh my gosh, this person is just opening up to me and all they needed was a friend to talk to or, or a, you know, a safe person to talk to. If you're a mandated reporter, report it because it could help save her life, even though she might not ever talk to you again or she might, who knows. Um, and also you have to remember that there might be children involved. So it's our responsibility to, to do that. If you're not a mandated reporter, um, the, the very first thing that you want to do is um, show concern um, so that she understands you do realize that this is not normal behavior. You, and what I recommend is it's always better to ask questions. How does that make you feel when that happens? Um, has this been going on a long, to- a long time? Do you talk to anybody about this? Um, do you do you need um, a reference? Can I offer you a reference point? Do you understand that this is not a proper way for a person to express their anger? So you approach them with questions because when you when you make a statement versus a question. You're, you're opening up, you're keeping that person's line of communication open. Why is this important? This is important because abuse is about keeping secrets. And part of the process of abuse is, is isolation. So the abuser wants to isolate that person from the outside world. 
So if you can keep them talking and keep them connected, you can keep new information going in. Um, I think it's important that anybody have, be it, let's just remove away from the issue of abuse. If you're working with people, you know, have, if you have somebody who has poor nutrition program, you have a nutritionist at your fingertips to say, hey, I refer to this person. If you need, if they need a haircut, oh, I've got this person. Sure. On the front line, have a, a network of people. You need to have somebody that you can refer this person to that's a safe person. One of the most important questions that you can ask a woman who is faced with abuse is, what do you need? And she will navigate you. I just need somebody to talk to. I need to know what to do. Um, I, I need I need help. Okay. What, what kind of help? And it's not that you can solve her problem because, trust me, that's like opening up the Niagara Falls when, you know, the second you get them to talk, it's, I call it throwing up. You know, how are you? And also, well, it's all over you. Uh, and it can be very overwhelming. Uh, but that's where people like like me are, and my organization and other organizations like ours across the country are available to to pick up where you guys leave off. Yeah, because I think yeah, that's... Cause I think that's- well outside of the wheelhouse of a PT. So it's... But you, you feel, yes. Um, yes and no. You know what? Um, I think that a, a physical therapist or um, a massage therapist that are highly trained, that you guys have your hands on people's bodies, and I believe they, that you could probably feel their stress and their energies and 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 nine out of ten times, if, if you're in tuned um, and you're a spiritually heightened person, that you'll be able to know there's some type of trauma wound going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's very that's true. true. And, and a lot of times people come to physical, physical therapists, they're coming because they're in pain. And so, you know, of the, you know, we're looking at things from a biopsychosocial uh position now not just a biomedical where it's your structure is off so you have to look at there's a lot of psychology behind the pain as well so so it it, it, yeah it can definitely fit um okay so let's talk about which i think is is kind of fascinating is um we mentioned the beginning that you have wellness programs at the corporation level so how does, explain to, to us kind of how that works and how that came about. Well, it came about because it was several years ago I was reading, I forget what business magazine I, I was reading, and they were talking about the cost of hiring, firing, and replacing an employee and the average cost between the EEO and everything that you go through is about $50,000 to replace an employee. And I come from corporate America prior, during, when I was in my world of abuse, I worked in corporate America. And uh, I really, in hindsight, it would have been a great benefit to me to, of these wellness programs that, you know, we all have to march along and attend. If somebody were to talk about something that was very practical um, and, and touched me on a personal level and had somebody even talked about my emotional wellness um, and opened the door, there's a really good chance that I I could have gotten the help that I needed. I could have gotten the support that I needed. And the great thing about it is I probably wouldn't have gone through many more years of of the abuse. 
Because abuse is about isolation, again, as I said. And if you can reach these people at their place of work, you're going to reach them at this one more avenue that you're going to be able to reach out to them. And the, the majority of the times when somebody is spinning out at work or not producing, um, we've all been there. How many times have you been so burdened by something you just have a hard time focusing? Well, people don't pay you to not do your job. You get paid to do your job. And so, and, and the thing about people is that we hurt on occasion and we, we need to go in and not just expect performance out of them, but help, help them at a personal level. And how can this be done within a corporation or within a wellness program? Is this bringing speakers in? Is it having small workshops? You know, what, how does this implement itself in a wellness program? All of the above. Uh, corporations have, um, they either have social responsibility programs, um, they have employee um, team building programs, and different things of that nature. So there was a great quote by the former CEO of Liz Claiborne, and she said it perfectly. She said, domestic abuse is a worksite problem. And uh, if you think about the number of women who are on the workforce, that, um, you know, let, let's just say you go to one cosmetic company, uh, let's say the Mac, okay, and or, or Bobby Brown, and you go to one of these corporations that they have tens of thousands of makeup artists that the majority of them are female. If one in four women experience abuse, you're not telling me that those women who, who are on their payroll are not part of the problem and also intercepting women on a day-to-day basis. I would love to start a national campaign with a, a cosmetic company that would say, may your black and blue only be something that you purchase through our product mm. line. Yeah, you know? totally. No, I, I love the idea of a wellness program. And, you know, again, that's something that a lot of PTs, Pilates, yoga, trainers implement and physicians implement into these large corporations. And it kind of makes me wonder how many of these programs implement some sort of or cover domestic abuse within their wellness programs. I mean, I don't know the answer to that question, but it just yeah, makes me wonder. Right now, of course, it's, it's getting a little bit more popular. But the, the one thing about domestic abuse is that it's really not a sexy subject. It's not like your back hurts or it's not like you're the chair that you're sitting in or you've got carpal tunnel or, you know, you need to goal set together as a company and learn to think positive. You're talking about a really ugly, unsexy subject. But you know what? That's where it takes professionals going in and adding the entertainment value to education. And, and you can you can share a message that can uh, create change and do it that, that people will remember it. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think you sort of, it's all about education, right? It is. It, the, it, the more it's you not know. It's a disease, it's a learned behavior, and we need to teach people how to live and love in new ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is the national campaign that you launched this month um, called Love Does Not Hurt uh, that gets men involved as well. So how does this work? This is a, great. So I, I'm working right now with the uh, San Diego um, NFL Alumni Association. 
and um, possibly working with the National NFL Alumni Association. And being in this world of abuse, and I've worked, I, I lived it for five years, and uh, I've been working in recovery for 20 years now, that, yes, there, there are one in, in four women will go through abuse, but that means that uh, there are three men out there for everyone that doesn't. And I, I'm very passionate about making sure that we don't male bash because not every man believes in harming a woman or harming a child. And I, I believe in, in energy. And I, I think that I was very convicted that we need to send a more positive message out there and start showcasing these positive men who, who would not hurt a woman. And that the, it is a known fact that if men get involved in the recovery of domestic abuse, the cycle can end. So men need to mentor other men. And how do you mentor? You get up and you talk about how to love properly, how to treat people properly. It's not by boxing the guy on the top of the head and saying, well, how does that feel? You're just, you're, you're continuing the cycle. And that's probably what the child got when he was young. And now he's growing up and doing what's normal. So I, it's a campaign called Love Doesn't Hurt. And we started with the football and the football is getting tossed around America. And everybody who intercepts the football makes a proclamation that love doesn't hurt. They nominate two of their friends and an NFL player and we're just, or a professional sports figure because people think that our sports, um, our sports figures are our national heroes. And start setting an example <clears throat> that love doesn't hurt and showcasing the great men that are out there. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, a, I think great that's a great idea. Great idea. And, and what a, a great way to kind of hit the younger generation. You know, like you said, they think of these professional players as their heroes and as people they aspire to be. So to seeing it, seeing these men in such a positive light versus the news cycle is all negative, negative, negative. So to take these, these men and, and bring some positivity, I think, into the discussion uh, is a yes. great idea. And you have to motivate people by two ways. Of course, you know, the shock value always uh, does, does tend to wake up people. But I'm a firm believer that people get, it's easier to motivate people through a positive reference point than the shock factor or the fear factor. So I think that uh, the Love Doesn't Hurt campaign is a very positive way to, to educate people that love doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Abandonment hurts, abuse hurts, but love doesn't hurt. Yes, absolutely. And just to kind of, uh, we're, uh, we've got about six or seven minutes left, but um, I guess the last thing um, before, and, and of course, before we sign off, we'll tell everyone how to find more information about you and where to get all of this great info. Um, but over the years, you know, 20, 20 odd years of helping women, what have you learned about abusive relationships through your work? Well, I think having lived it myself <clears throat> is that it can happen to anyone and, and it can slowly sneak into your life um, and before you know it, you're swallowed up and living in just this chamber of hell that is, it's frightening, um, it's debilitating, uh, it puts you in a state of emotional shock, emotional paralysis and 
So I think that what I learned is that it, it has no preference of persons, that it doesn't discriminate uh, with your gender, it doesn't discriminate with your age, it doesn't discriminate with your ethnicity, with your educational background, with how much money you make. In fact, that might make it worse sometimes. It doesn't discriminate. And so we, we can't um, pretend that it's something that only affects the lower income uh, drug-using, toothless woman. This is something that uh, affects our family. It's the number one cause of injury and death to women in the United States. Um, the other thing that I've learned is that we're not talking about um, a virus with no cure. Abuse is 100% treatable. It's 100% curable. We just need to get involved. We need to make it more approachable, less shameful, um, and, and more available for people who are living through it. And what do you want women so who are out there listening, or men, don't want to exclude men. I have a lot of men that yeah. I work with. Women and men who, let's say, are in or maybe have been in abusive relationships, what do you want them to know? I would want them to know that they're not alone, um, that they're not, it's not their fault, because a lot of times in the abuse cycle what happens during the tension build, building stage is that you know the explosion, be it emotional assault or physical assault, is about to happen. So you'll do something to, to provoke a situation, to get it over with, basically. Um, but I would want them to know that no matter what, uh, it is never okay for a person to physically or emotionally assault another person, no matter what. And um, that they're not alone. It's, it's, um, it is embarrassing, but they don't need to be embarrassed to reach out for help. It's actually very courageous to reach out for help. And the other thing that I'd want them to know is that, believe it or not, it's more frightening to think about changing and, and leaving the abuse than it is to stay in it. It's like that old saying, the devil you know. Um, but the last thing I'd really want them to know is that the grass is really greener. They always say the grass isn't greener, but I'm telling you, life without abuse, the grass is greener. So come on over to our end and start grazing on our good stuff and help knitting your life back together. And, and how can people uh, find out more about you and about your programs, and how can they get involved? So they can visit our website. That would probably be the easiest um, our website address, I'm going to give you two different ones, but they all navigate to the same place. The, the shortest one is drtracy.tv. That's easy, www.drtracy.tv. Or if you can remember the name of our foundation, it's called winfoundationinternational.org. Win is in winning, winfoundationinternational.org. Um, and if you forget that, then just remember lovedoesnthurt.org and you'll get to our site as well. Perfect. And are you on Twitter also? Um, yes, I am on Twitter. It's, yes. uh, what is your yes. Twitter handle? Oh, my goodness. Okay, it was supposed to be written down there. Um, at Dr. Tracy is where they can uh, find our Twitter handle. And it's winfoundation1 is our, our Twitter 
I'm um, writing all this down. All this down. And and of course, um, would have would have if so if you're sort of a frontline provider of care, you can go to any one of those websites to get it more information on on perhaps being a train being trained in some of these techniques. We do. I have an online certification program for people who can't make our our annual conference. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course I get called in to do trainings just within certain conferences, um, as well. Um, we can, you can also find us on Facebook. If you Google Dr. Tracy, uh, I'll come up. If you Google, Google, if you search, uh, Win Foundation, I come up and you can reach me there. Um, all the emails, I, I try to actually, um, at the end of the day, be able to, not every day, but be at, at the end of communication, be able to respond to every communication that I get personally. Um, I'm still very hands-on, even though it's an international organization. I still try to be hands-on to everybody who reaches out um, at least one time and be able to um, touch base with them. Great. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on and talking about domestic abuse during the month of October, which is Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. Um, and the work you're doing is it's wonderful, it's heavy, it's gratifying, and it's, I think, something that more people need to be doing. And, and I think this issue needs to be raised, not just in the month of October, but, but every month and every day and every time that, you know, you maybe have a sense of, so even if you're out there listening and you're not a provider, you're not a medical provider, but if you're just a friend or you're a family member and you sense something is up, you know, or say something. Ask. Just ask. ask. Are you okay? Ask yeah. what, what do you need, right? Yeah. 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 Are you okay? And, you know... You know, you realize that this isn't the normal way that somebody loves, right? Yeah. So I think you know, love doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much, and and again for the work you do, bravo. So thank you. Thank you. All right, and everybody, thank you so much for listening. Again, you can find me on Twitter at at Karen Litzy NYC. Uh, for more about Dr. Tracy, go to at Dr. Tracy. You can go to winfoundationinternational.org, drtracytv.com. No, drtracy.tv. drtracy.tv, great. So a lot of ways to get more information. So thank you so much, and everyone, thank you for tuning in, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.